Hey, hey, what's up all you beautiful people out there? This is Hobart on this, the 27th of April, coming to you. Um, yeah, it's, uh, you know, this has been a great couple of days, I gotta say. I'm like really pumped on life. Everything's flowing. Um, and just feeling super inspired and creative and, uh, just got news over the weekend that my brother, Tony, AKA the Chone is moving into my spot in the back unit. So we're about to have a pretty good scene, uh, at our house and it's really just kind of coming together. We found another roommate and, uh, the whole thing we're, we're putting our garden in, uh, the whole scene is really coming together and, uh, about to have a classic East Bay gem on our hands. So feeling really good about that. Um, but yeah, my guest today is a neighbor of mine and, and one of my best friends. Um, really, really just all around amazing human being. I think I can say one of the most interesting people I've ever met and one of the most creative, certainly. Um, you all know him as uh, Lesh Wierzynski, the front man and singer of the California Honey Drops. He's a multi-instrumentalist, um, recording artist, and live performer uh, with, uh, you know, one of my favorite voices I've ever heard. This guy can sing like nothing, like nobody else. Uh, but he's also just a, you know, a funky dude and a cool artist and a really interesting person to talk to. And, um, I was really excited when he agreed to come on and do this podcast with me. Um, you know, he's, uh, he's someone that I think, you know, um, doesn't always show this side to a lot of people. And so it's cool getting to see some insight into his character and into how his brain works and, we definitely in this episode go into a bit of philosophy and uh, as well as talking about, you know, what the realities have been like for uh, independent artists during this time. That's like so unique. Um, so, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's strange, right? Cause I think this is hitting every artist differently having to change their whole, uh, mode of creation. And, um, you know, the honey drops are a pretty successful band as far as independent artists go. So, uh, getting to see, you know, firsthand, you know, from a friend, what it's, what the process has been like for him trying to find, uh, some sort of homeostasis with, uh, with all the change and all the chaos. Uh, it was a fascinating, fascinating conversation. And, um, I can't wait to share it with you guys. I'm also really excited uh, that exclusive on the Bartcast, <laughs> where uh, he's going to be dropping some info about an upcoming Honey Drops album release, uh, as well as a single release um, in the near future. So um, I hope you guys like it. I tried to really, you know, for this conversation capture you know the side of this guy that i get to see you know often and uh you know kind of set the stage for us to have you know the kind of conversation that we tend to have just 
normally naturally as we would just as friends. So, um, I hope you guys out there all enjoy it and, uh, please, um, you know, go check out the honey drops. If you don't know who the honey drops are, uh, then you need to, and you need to go immediately start listening to their music. Cause it's, I mean, they're my favorite band. I, you know, they, I was a fan before a friend, I like to say, and both of those qualifications have only grown as I've become more familiar with the band. They, they, uh, really embody, uh, a, a, a sense of character and a sense of like just psychedelic joyfulness that I think is all too rare in the modern world. And, um, I know that every time I go to a honey drop show, it's like, uh, I'm very acutely reminded of how beautiful life can be and how grateful I am to, uh, to be connected to such, uh, a welcoming, and joyous, joyful, jubilant, uh, you know, collection of individuals that are making so many people happy. Um, and, you know, I know I certainly can't wait for, uh, for the music to resume, you know, when this is all over. So that's, uh, that's my intro for now. Um, yeah, just want to welcome my good friend and uh, certainly one of my favorite musicians, Lesh Wierzynski, on this episode three of the Bartcast. <laughs> Mr. Hobart. What is up? What is up, my good sir? How you doing? Bartimus Crouch. I'm great. Welcome to uh, to the Bartcast, bro. Thanks, bro. Appreciate <laughs> good, it. Good to have you in here. How's your uh, How's your Monday going? Uh, it's just great. It's yeah. just like any other Monday. Just like any other Monday. Yeah. Yeah. Locked, sheltered in place on this the 27th of April. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, I'm glad we finally got around to doing this. I feel like we've kind of been having uh, podcast-esque conversations for the last week, trying to keep sane through all of the all of the madness. Mm-hmm. How, how how's your uh, has life changed much for you since like this all started? I mean, yes and no. You know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know obviously our, our tours got canceled for this month right luckily we didn't have any we didn't have any like heavy touring scheduled till may okay so we've you know we've missed going to a few places on the weekends mm-hmm. but um you know we weren't going to start really working until may working really hard until work may and this through the summer so you know all obviously all that's been canceled and who knows when we'll ever get back to, to to playing shows and whatnot. But in the meantime, we've been, uh, you know, just doing our, trying to do the live stream, trying to make the most of what we have. Yeah, what's that been like? Like, like the the performing via the interwebs. I, 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 I was, it was weird at first. It was like a very empty. 
I remember the first one I did, I had this like totally empty, depressed kind of feeling when I was done. Hmm. Um, you know, just because there's no immediate feedback and there's no real, you know, there's no connection. You're just staring at the screen. Not and really. it's not like it's and it's not like it's a video of a concert that you're doing in front of other people. You know, you're really just playing to these people that, you know, they write you comments and stuff, but mm -hmm. there's no immediate feedback or energy. It's a little harder to concentrate because there's no kind of adrenaline or anybody that you can see that's just giving you their attention. You just kind of have to know that they're out there. A little bit more of an inward process in terms of where you're getting your energy from. But very different from normal performing, where right. you're you're kind of on the spot. They're there, they're looking totally. at you, yeah. and you're like, "All right, it's time to entertain these people. Let's mm -hmm. let's go out and make these people happy." You know what I mean? Right. Like you you don't have any of that. And also, I've been doing solo, which is really unusual for me. I'm I'm really scared to play solo and very nervous playing <laughs> solo. But so in that way, it's been a good learning process and a good, uh, you know, yeah, it's been a good learning process. New new. Uh... A new set of skills to be gained. Yeah. To be a, one of these new digital broadcasters, as it were. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's all right. In that sense, there's a lot of new things to be learned that I'm enjoying learning. So there's, there's you know, that's a silver lining in there mm -hmm. for sure. I think, you know, me as a performer, I may have relied too much on people's feedback and too much on the live setting mm. for my focus and my energy. Right. And so it's good to develop the skill of of being in front of people, but not looking to them, looking to your own love of music and your own feeling for the music, yeah. for your inspiration. Because I think in a, a good show, in a good performance, like I think you have to have a little mix of both. Mm -hmm. It's good to go, and, and depending on the night, it might be better to go inward and find your own place and let people watch you do it. And on some nights it might be better to just go with the crowd, you know, which is what we do right. kind of almost always. But there are those nights where the crowd isn't giving us much or maybe isn't giving us what we think we want. Mm -hmm. And then it becomes difficult to like look within. Right. So this is kind of giving, a, it's given us an extra tool in the toolbox to get up there and just be like, this is how we play when we just want to play. Yeah. Do you, I was going to ask you, do you find like, you know, and we've we've spoken about this before, but when you when you start a performance, there's that like energetic arc of when you maybe you start off a little tight and you need to like there's like a, a period of time that it takes to kind of sink into the flow or to the groove. Do you feel like that arc is different when you're doing it just solo in a room into a camera? It's, I, it's similar yeah. in a way for me, at least, because I'm nervous at the beginning. Mm -hmm. So the first song, I'm usually a little tentative and don't really have it all together yet, you know? Yeah. And and I'm just not playing that well. Mm -hmm. Like, I can't, I can't access, like, certain deeper kind of flow state creativity, like, at the beginning. I can just, I just have to play something and get through it, yeah, you know, right. kind of first. <laughs> it's not, there's no, no ground being broken. Although, it's interesting because sometimes you listen back and it, actually sounds good at the beginning and that's a weird thing about shows sometimes and live performing in general is that sometimes 
you feel a little bit tight at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And then you listen to like, you're, you're like, man, that first set felt a little tight. And then I felt a lot better on the second set. Like we say that many times in, in the Honey Drops in the mm-hmm. band. And then we listen back in the first set at least on recording, sounds good. And then the second set sounds pretty sloppy. <laughs> like you kind of, there's like maybe even a little complacency or, or like that pressure of coming out to a cold house yeah. pushes you to perform at a different level. Yeah, it makes you, yeah, it kind of makes you stay on your P's and Q's, you know, right. but, and then later you're kind of like, but those things aren't necessarily correlated to the realities of the show. Right. You know what I mean? Those mm-hmm. things don't, that doesn't matter necessarily. Right. Like I mean, a it's a good amazing. show. A good show isn't necessarily one where you where it sounds good on the playback. A good show, for me, means that like you connected with the audience and you you know and you mm-hmm. all went somewhere together. Yeah, I mean, you're not playing for the recording. You're playing for the live event. Yeah, you're playing for the live event. So, and at all. Yeah, anyway, that's you know that you can go on and on. Those yeah. are, but those are two separate things. Totally. You know, it's amazing how subjective uh you know that that subjective quality of uh what you think you're hearing as a performer on stage versus what the experience is from in the crowd getting a different mix you know yeah yeah uh and then like that first person view like obviously you know this is something that's pretty familiar to any performing artist but like you're you're hearing all the little hiccups or mistakes or loose threads in the stitching but to you know the outside observer you know they're having like a spiritual experience that right to them transcends you know any they're not even hearing those yeah. little rough edges or anything right like right can really uh and it all and like you said it all depends on your point of view too sometimes you don't hear any of the rough edges right and you're just going and everything seems great mm-hmm you know and then you listen back and you're like oh my god was i drunk like what the hell was happening you know exactly exactly have you noticed um and you know this kind of plays into what we've just been talking about but like as a you know like as a creative businessman which it's funny even to call you that because i think of you in a much broader way but like at the end of the day you are like kind of this you know creative businessman of sorts how is like have you noticed a change in the industry or in, from like the business side of it how you're having to think about things and organize you know yeah i mean it's given me some time well from a business point of view i think that this is a good time for a band like us that has never invested much into our online presence mm-hmm. and to our online appeal right and our branding appeal like <laughs> we've never invested like that much i certainly have not invested that much energy into that and like kind of like doing instagram posts or doing facebook posts mm-hmm. and stuff like that uh you know that's not like i kind of i kind of scoff at that stuff a little bit maybe wrongly so but that's just my nature yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but you know so so it's a good time in a way for uh, for a band like us to kind of like put a little energy into that right because you know ultimately you can reach more people with that totally. uh, it's just another tool to reach people yeah i'm sure um, you got people across the world that are like despite everything delighted that they're getting to see more honey drops content yeah i think there are there's definitely people and there's people there's people that look forward to it every day and it 
that's one thing that I like. Uh, that one type of feedback is that you can tell people leave you comments and they say, "Hey, I look forward to this every Friday," or mm-hmm. you know, these posts really have been making this thing a lot easier. And that's that's that to me is kind of like where it's at for me. Yeah. I need to have a little bit of a purpose. And that's been the hardest thing, I think, for me, yeah. is kind of not having the, the feedback and, and the sense of purpose. Like, what am I doing? And that's the, one of the reasons why the online thing has always been tough for me. Right. So because I, I feel like I'm just making people go on their phones more. Mm. which is basically against my right. principles. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't believe that people should be on their phones. I mean, yeah. I struggle with it myself right. and I try to stay off the damn thing. Right. And I notice myself happier when I'm not on it. The less I'm a day where I'm never on it, it's usually a lot better a day for me right. well, uh, than here, a day folks, when I'm on if, it. If and so, so me these... putting all my content on there is a yeah. little bit of like a moral dilemma for me. Totally. You know? I mean, I guess it's better for them to be seeing cool things online than not cool things, like right. than reading stupid news or, yeah. you know, reading like scare stories about how you can, you know, how coronavirus lives on pollution particles or right. something like that. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, so it's like, yeah, or, or being coughed up by the ocean, one of the more recent totally. ones I saw. I mean, that's been the, that's for me at least, that's been one of the like safe harbors for my mind because I did catch myself like, you know, a couple of weeks ago, um, kind of gravitating as I think many of us do t- towards these darker elements of my Facebook feed or, or, you know, any <laughs> social media. And I had to make like a conscious effort. I think I called you the other night and I was freaking out about some article I had just read. <laughs> yep. And, you know, I was like, oh, we're all going to die, you know. And, uh, you know, the the fact that so many of my friends, I'm so grateful to know so many amazingly creative people that are using this opportunity to put their art out there. I think for a lot of us, it's like now it's almost like I'm on this like media diet now where I'm like, okay, uh you know, I see the like flashing red light of the like news CNN news alert that you're not to, supposed to be watching, right? Or... That or that I am, but like I have to make a conscious effort not to dive in there, and instead like watch a Gary Ke- Gary Kehoe, you know, <laughs> bongo lesson, yeah, and like, you know, I come out of that with a much better feeling, and it kind of gives, it's like it gives my brain like a a cognitive safe harbor to you know to park in if i'm going to be online i think for a lot of us that can be like an operation that we don't even aren't even aware we're doing and you know you can just be because you know from like a evolutionary perspective our, our consciousness is like geared towards what's the biggest threat and that's how this whole system is set up is to be like threat here threat here give us your attention yeah. and then we're going to sell you stuff mm-hmm. so to have Art, you know, the, the, in a way, I think like compelling art, and this is also to speak to your point of like the resistance of putting your stuff up online, like the public good, public service part of that is that you're essentially like by creating stuff that's like a little more beautiful in, in the aesthetic sense and that's making people feel good and not like triggering their fear centers, you are like kind of changing the landscape of this, you know, digital environment that, that it's allowing people to 
to, you know, to trigger their own creativity or their own, uh, sorry, their own imagination. Um, and not only like in a fear way, but, but also, you know, I can go and look That's at like, true. A, and I, and I do think so. The more good things are up there, the better, right? I mean, right. essentially mm-hmm. it's better to have good stuff up there than bad stuff. However, <laughs> like my only, my thing that I still can't get past is yeah. that the attention span right issue and and the way in which you know this media and the media that we have like encourages people to have these short attention spans Mm -hmm. and me posting a one minute video you know is just another one minute thing and then you just move on to the next and just the the harm the harm of that like just permanent distraction and Mm -hmm. lack of focus and lack of i think uh, resulting heightened anxiety uh regardless of what it is regardless of what the inputs are how you're controlling those inputs the fact that they're so short and scattered and you're always looking for another one that isn't really something i want to participate in either so and which you know and a live stream isn't that a live stream is like an hour long you know but just being on the device itself Mm -hmm is still encouraging you not to have a long attention span. Totally. Yeah. I find myself, you know, that's that it's, I'm glad you brought that up because that is something, you know, that, that I have noticed in, it's kind of like an artifact of the medium in, I'm seeing my friends like put their soul out there in a video. And yet at like the minute 30 mark, there's a little voice in my brain. That's like, what else is out there? Yeah. Like pull out. And I'm like, Oh man, like, I don't want to like, it feels like a betrayal of this person who's like working really hard to provide this content for me. And yet I can't help the way that like the system is set up to trigger my psychology where I'm like, still like feel this nagging need to to disembark and to find, you know, scroll through 10 dog videos or a couple Corona scare articles or whatever. Yeah. I wanted to ask you, like, I know for me personally, there's something about like video versus like audio only feeds. Like that's to speak to like when I was thinking about putting together this podcast, I like I thought because I have the gear to set up like a video broadcast, but I made a conscious decision to like I just want it to be audio only because I know for myself I'll put on like a four hour podcast and do my chores and drive and, and listen, like, listen, just listen, and I can totally mind. sit through that. But as soon as there's video attached. I do notice that that like voice awakens and I don't have the same attention span when it's like a visual Mm -hmm. stimulation. So I'm just wondering like maybe, you know, uh, you know, how it would change maybe to do like an audio broadcast, like a honey drops radio radio. Oh yeah. That could be really cool. Actually. Like like instead of worrying about, Oh, you wouldn't get any clicks on that, man. Oh no. No one's going to watch that. You know, your yeah, numbers but, are going to go way down. Yeah, and how do you measure it, right? Can't right. afford that. Totally. Can't totally. have that. Yeah, Sorry. they can't. You can't market your your visual image out there. But, <laughs> but that's what know, they're. That's what they all want to see. Yeah, but I mean, I also kind of feel like there's a hunger for that kind of stuff. You know, they're they're. We think we want the visual all the time, but I think a lot of people. Yeah. You know, there's so many like menial tasks that we've all fallen into to try to fill the hours of the day. And having, you know, 
that's what I love about audio content is like the fact that I, it's like made me a better housemate. Cause I'm like not phased by doing dishes. Right. Right. Cause I can just like dive off into some story or some podcast or some yeah. album. No, it's amazing. And it's an amazing feeling. Yeah. I don't know. It gets you into like a place. I think right. that's really enjoyable when you're listening and doing something. Yeah. There's a Zen to it. Yeah. There's definitely a good, a good place there. Maybe it feels just a little bit less brave new worldy to someone with sentiments such as yours to be, you know, yeah. it's like more like an older, warmer broadcasting format than like the coldness of a digital video package. I think the <laughs> franticness of the video, like you said, it's yeah. more, but to me, it's that, that attention span thing that it stimulates, you know, some evolutionary uh, biologist could tell us about what the way that our visual we're stimulated visually that makes that different but right yeah but it definitely feels different to me and have you guys gotten any this is kind of a, le a left turn i want to take here but um have you guys gotten any feedback from like uh festivals or venues as to like when they're looking to you know when this when you guys I mean, might be going back on tour yeah i mean we booked a tour for the fall Okay. Which I'm very worried about personally. Right. When who does knows? that start? Uh, you know, there's a bunch of gigs set for like September, October, and November. And, you know, and our team has worked really hard to rebook all that because there's competition for the rooms because of all the cancellations sure. from the spring. And, uh, and they've done a great job. Mm -hmm. And then now it's like, okay, well, we did it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Let's see what happens. Right. You know, there's no guarantee. Yeah. There's no guarantees on that. But, um, you know, anyway, hopefully we can do it. It would be great. Yeah. But I, I you know, I'm, I ain't holding my breath or I am holding my breath. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's probably going to make you safer from all these Corona particles, you know. <laughs> Which one? Holding your breath. Oh yeah, definitely. So I'll hold my breath. <laughs> I hear that's like a, one of the main lines of defense these days. It's just holding your breath. Yeah, they're saying a mask isn't even enough now, so you're just <laughs> you're, you're stop breathing. Yeah, I mean, especially like mouth. I think mouth breathers uh, percentage wise have a much higher yeah, and, and it's really right, become yeah. a thing where you know it's really the ethical choice to, to become breathe, a nose breather. to become a nose breather, right? You know, and I I think I saw. <laughs> <laughs> a World Health Organization, you know, recommendation yeah. that was out there that was quickly dismissed by certain political leaders um, that nose breathing is like the new, uh, you know, that's like the new accepted, uh, you know, ethical choice as as, yeah. a, as a concerned citizen mm -hmm. to make. Yeah. No, I've been making a very conscious effort to nose breathe. Yeah. Right go by people on the trails right and you know i'm frankly I'm, I'm really annoyed when people aren't nose breathing on the trails it's so it's inconsiderate just, it shows you know it just shows that they're selfish people <laughs> bad people um <laughs> yeah so, yeah i mean you know i just can't stand it who knows what it's gonna do to like the altoid breathman industry if everyone <laughs> starts breathing through their noses <laughs> um you know but we we may all get to know each other a little better no, i mean we have to save that industry yeah. We have to save that they're industry. Too big to so fail. I'm kind of going back on it now. Right. They're 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 kind of too big to fail. Hey, they're too big. We got to bail out Altoids. I don't I don't want to know what life without a fisherman's friend is going to look like. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, man. man. But I I think you know because I've been thinking about it a lot lately as well. Uh, 
just how important it is to have these gatherings and these events and these, you know, what live, live events do for us as a culture, as a larger community. And I know there's a lot of fear right now and a lot of it's justified, but like, I always get, I think what always gets me, you know, uh, concerned about it all is when you don't have like an end date when it, you know, my like paranoia of like big government or whatever is like, well, what if this is like the war on terror there where totally. all of a sudden it's just this perpetual. I mean, you know, safety, you right. know, the idea of safety, it's not a coincidence that, you know, all these totalitarian governments had, you know, things like committees of public safety. Right. There's like safety is like, uh, and that notion and that there's a reason that can easily be used to control population, you know. It becomes so, a synonym for control. And it becomes a synonym, a synonym for control that people, but that people accept because they're like, well, we need to be safe. Mm -hmm. You know, and, you know, there's all kinds of lesser and larger degrees of that. And they are, uh, they need, I think they, they should be approached with a little more skepticism from our progressive brothers and sisters. Right. You know, I definitely, you know, maybe it's me being from, maybe it's my background because, you know, I was born during martial law in Poland, you know. Okay. And that's like, so I, and, you know, my that was my parents, you know, formative experience. One of the formative experiences of their lives, they were went through many strange police states, especially right. my dad or my grandma who lived mm -hmm. through both World War II and, you know, communist era. Yeah. But, you know, having that. I'm a little bit skeptical of like mm -hmm. the, Are you the safety any, and I, the nanny state and, right. and the nanny state, which is kind of benevolent, mm -hmm. growing into the surveillance state, growing into like people telling on each other, mm -hmm. growing into whatever, you know, they had in, yeah, they have in China or something. Did you see about how like the, the mayor of LA was offering cash rewards to snitches, like to people snitching see, on their neighbors? That's what I'm saying. You know, like, that's too far. <laughs> it's too far. Like... Right. I don't, I don't think that's right. Right. You know, and yeah, but that's just, that's just my opinion. Right. And, you know, and, and I, I do think that it's good that we're like, we shut down California early. Totally. Like, I think it's good and I think it's helped. Yeah. But I think there's, there's a line mm -hmm. and it's very blurry. Totally. And I think we're already, we're kind of like, we're straddling it right now, I think. We're trying to t suss it out, and we're trying to suss it out. But I, I like, and, and the but thing... the fear, but the fear and the safety concerns, and like kind of like the thing we were poking fun at about like what's ethical and what's not, yeah, yeah. is definitely something that can throw it over, right, to a place that it's not. I don't think that it's okay anymore, and I don't think it's fitting of like a liberal society, totally, or a free society, really, right. Um, and you know what I mean, because well, that's what you know. That's why that we don't want to legalized drugs right yeah and and, and, I, and and some people say you know about legalizing drugs they say well actually it would save lives to legalize drugs mm -hmm. but the thing is to me is like we have to be okay with legalizing drugs even if it doesn't save lives right to me that's from a freedom perspective more mm -hmm. important you know maybe that's like the personal liberty that maybe that's you know my personal idea of what liberty is and what it means to be a free person and have freedom of conscience but anyways you know like i don't think these things are always gonna be these choices for 
freedom will always be uh what do you call it what's the word obvious no they will won't always be we have to be prepared that they won't always uh like serve the greater good or the mm-hmm. utilitarian good right sometimes they'll create some a little more chaos um but and you know i think a little bit of chaos is needed you know, like a little bit of chaos is part of creativity and it's part of a lot of things. Yeah. You know, it's and it, it goes back to like the way that we run the band. Mm-hmm. That's my personal philosophy. We run the band with a lot of possibility for chaos. Yeah. Very little safe. There's not a big, you know, there's not like a lot of safety in the performances. <laughs> and, and that enables them to be more creative. Maybe not perfect on a recording when you listen back, mm-hmm. but... A little bit more catered to the moment, and a little bit more creative. I, you know. Anyway, that that all, that all kind of comes around to my general philosophy about how I, you know, like how we do the band. Yeah, I mean, you guys have uh, this kind of seemingly contradictory, it, like almost oxymoronic. Uh, you guys are like at at one super tight, and that you guys are all have gotten very adept at playing it together as a as a you know, as a unit, but even, but within that like tightness, there's this looseness of like, you know, I, I know like the, at least it's, as someone who's gotten to see like the, a little, you know, sneak peek into the inside band dynamics, just the fact that, you know, where's the honey drop set list, you know, you guys are so. Oh yeah. People ask for set lists every for, time. For calling no... tunes on the fly and yeah. there's no, you know, I think that you as, as a leader, you know, at the shows, I definitely see you making these like minute to minute reads of the, of the crowd. You've got your like list in your head. Maybe you got some songs you want to hit, but like, can you take us through like what that is like to like make uh, those decisions on the fly? Like, that? I mean, you know, I just kind of try to feel out what feels right. And the band has like kind of given me the, the trust to do mm-hmm. that. Yeah. They, they usually don't veto me, Yeah, <laughs> you know, and, and I sometimes, do, and I do veto them sometimes if yeah. I don't want to do the song. And right. they've kind of, they've been very gracious, I think, to me to give me that kind of power to do that. Um, and now, and it's funny because now as a solo performer, like on these live feeds, yeah. I see like the anxiety that it causes not to have a set list (laughs) and i have a little more compassion now because it's hard to hit like if you don't know this especially when it comes to kind of like tempo and feel of a song if you don't know it's coming and somebody just calls it at you out of the blue right you're not gonna necessarily be locked into that feel and tempo right away like you can't expect that and i think that's a mistake that i've made in the past like where I'm like I call the song, and I'm like, and then it doesn't, and you know, and then the kind of the groove takes too much time to uh-huh. like settle in, yeah. And I'm and I notice that, and I'm like, what's going on? Come on, guys. But it's like if you, if a song just gets and, and as a solo performer, I just from the limited experience I've had doing it, it's like really hard for me. Like I do it without a list. Mm-hmm. And I'm noticing that it's really hard for me to like really lock into the, to the grooves and the feels of the songs right. when I just kind of like take them randomly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's not necessarily my full responsibility when I'm on stage. Yeah. Like, I don't really have to do that. The, I expect the, you know, the, the rhythm section to, to do that. Mm-hmm. And now I see that it's a bit of a tall order. Right. 
Um, so it's definitely taught me anyway, that's kind of a tangent, but no, no something I've noticed, you know? Parts. Yeah. The, the, uh, what was I going to say? There's a, there's also an assumption there that like you have in not creating that list for yourself, especially with these solo acts, you're like assuming that moment to moment when the music ends, you're going to have the clarity to like right. be able to pick. You right. Know, I was like, maybe you have the moment of like acute anxiety where Instead, you're like, your mind just goes blank and you're like, yeah. I don't know. I know hundreds of songs, but I can't play a note right now. Right. And that happens way more with me alone. Yeah. And of course, on the because you're not getting the feedback. Right. Because the energy of the crowd is telling you what song to totally. play or whatever you just did. And the whole mm -hmm. feeling of the room can help you with that. And all when you're alone, just looking at the screen, I ended up I end up just taking like random requests and just playing them and I don't even have a, like a good solo arrangement for it or it's a song mm -hmm. that I've never played by myself right. and might not work at all, you know, like... Or you have a Ben or a Lolo that you can look to, like if I've seen both of them take up that mantle as well and be yeah, like, yeah. you know, Lorenzo might be really feeling like, oh, this is going to go right into here. here. You have these other he'll just go, artists right. who are like, can sometimes be seized by that creative impulse and be like... This is what goes right totally, here. and there's sometimes that like one another person in the band chooses all the songs. Hmm. Like I'm just kind of going along, and sometimes Johnny is just like saying random things to me, and mm -hmm. we're just doing all of them. And sometimes he's saying things to me the whole time, and we're not <laughs> doing many of them. And it kind of goes anyway, but right. yeah, no, a lot. And sometimes we're all pulling up blanks, right. and I'm looking at them, and they're looking at me, and I'm looking at them. Yeah, <laughs> and we're like. And then we just start something. We're like, okay, I guess yeah. we'll play that. You, just you know, and those, are, and those are the shows that maybe aren't, you know, the the greatest. Yeah. But who knows, right? You know, I I remember once um, going to the uh, going to a church service. Okay, where like the two people that were delivering the sermon, the uh, the man and the woman. Like they were just finding their way through it. It was almost like what we're doing, like mm. a conversation. Yeah. It was almost like a conversation. It was kind of a conversation between the the moment, the two of them, the congregation. And they were just finding their, and it was this kind of beautiful thing to see. And it wasn't as like succinct and to the point as some of the sermons I'd seen there. Is that the East Bay Church of Religious like a, Science? Maybe a little more human almost. Yeah. You know, there's less of the front, I mean, of, the front end facade, you know. The, yeah. I think of it as like when you, the times in my life where I've like gotten a job somewhere. Yeah. That I've like been a customer at for a while. Yeah. And you have this whole idea about what the business looks like when you're coming in as a customer. You're not looking behind the counter. Right. But then like after day one on the job, your whole perspective of what the company is or what the product is or what the, it's changes because you get to see behind you know, below the surface, I think it could be the same could be, I mean, I know like since I've gotten to know you guys, the way that I hear your music and the way that I see things, the, the, the things that I look for during a set, it's totally different. And, right. you know, it's the, the joy is that the, the appreciation's only gotten deeper and that, you know, as I get to know every character, <laughs> you know, I can enjoy the sets in a different way now. Right, right. But it is interesting, especially when, like if I bring a friend to a Honey Drops show for the first time or I meet someone who's at the show who maybe isn't as familiar with you guys and then I'm suddenly kind of seeing it through their eyes 
And it's like, oh yeah, like I remember this old feeling that was like also super exciting and cool. Oh, right, right, you right. Know, and, uh, it's it's you know that that uh, yeah that like kind of front end uh, presentation style, and I think that's one of the things that really attracts people so much to your guys's band is it has that living room feel. It has you know you guys are a band that comes on stage and you know, even when you guys are nervous, there's still like this vulnerability and this intimacy, you know, you guys don't really have that like front, you're not putting on airs, you're not putting on. No, no, we try to avoid, I mean, it's something we've consciously tried to avoid. Right. And I think the nervousness is good. Yeah. Nervousness is good. I think it's like, it's a different type of thing. I've always, I've always wondered whether that was part of the appeal. Hmm. You know, like the little bit of nervousness makes it feel like you're going on the journey with the band a little bit. Yeah. You know, whereas if they're just hamming it up from the top. Right. You know, like totally, totally comfortable. Uh-huh. Like too comfortable. And yeah. just like the sh- and the show just begins like right. bombastically. And it's just like, you know, it's kind of like the charismatic, like, you know, you, the, the person is like the godhead, you know, mm-hmm. and you just staring at them and that's a that's something that's also like ethically troubling to me like i'm wary of that right i don't want to really be that i kind of want to be a little bit more vulnerable a Mm -hmm. little bit like i'm not just going to go up there and nail the show yeah it's not really i think it's just it's like a day to me it's all like part of like a broader philosophy i have to me that's like a dangerous thing okay you know Yeah, I mean, you know, it's like it's like the what you know, like it's like what breeds like celebrity worship and right. kind of like things like that. You know, is where the person is like invincible. Mm. You know, yeah, the, you're the sole superhero. Or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But it's, I mean, because in a lot of ways, ascent, like, that's what you are doing. Is you're you have all these people who are coming to the show and allowing you guys to like feel for them. You like you're creating a feeling with your music. And you have this like unified body of people that are all being stimulated in this way by the music and it opens them up. It opens people's hearts. It lets their defenses down, their inhibitions go away. And then the art sets in and it's like, you're like opening everybody up. You know, the way that I like to talk about it is like, uh, when I go see like, you know, a band that really moves me, it's like the music is, is opening my heart up. And then the thing I love about soul music is it's just like, feel good, feel good, feel good, feel good, feel good, feel good, you know? And it's like, I'm in this really vulnerable place and uh, like the music itself is like this really like gentle and pleasing set of sounds and rhythms and... and Right, 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 right. Um, But the other side of that, to speak to what you were just talking about, you know, you have all these people who have, you know, through their iPhones, through their headphones, through their the times at your shows, they've spent so many hours listening to your voice and listening to your stories and listening to your music that they develop a familiarity with you. And I'm sure anyone who's like experienced, you know, any sort of fame can, can attest to this, but you, you then are confronted by people who come up to you who are like, but I know you so well, how do you not know me? Right. right. Well, that's the, that's (laughs) the total, like, you know, that's one of the mind fucks of, yeah. Yeah of being like a kind of like a public 
figure or you know right. any anybody lightweight or very famous mm -hmm. and that's definitely something that's scary to me and and weird and kind of alienating yeah. um yeah and you just have to learn how to d navigate those waters i've been very fortunate in that we're not very the band is not very famous mm -hmm. it's like very very lightweight yeah. kind of like known and and loved which feels wonderful but not mm -hmm. Not to the point that I can't walk down the street, right, or anything. Not even close. Yeah. You know? yeah. Um, so, and I think that's great for me because I don't think uh, fame. I, I sometimes say, I don't know, fame is something I wouldn't wish upon my worst enemy. <laughs> you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. who cares about the money? I think that's a uh, that's a whole lot to deal with, and right. You know, you really have to learn how to navigate those waters. And if it comes, if it came to me. Mm -hmm. When I was very young, right. I think I would be lost. Oh, I mean, like completely lost. And there's no, obviously, there's no, there's no shortage of examples of people that have not been able to take it, the expectation, to live up to those expectations. And obviously, we see so often with the big stars, you know, the drug abuse. Right. And the, the I think it'd be harder to find problems. an example of someone who's the exception. Like, I'm yeah. to think of one, like, I was thinking about Bill Withers, you know, yeah. and, and how he, you know, he, he said he... Was he a child star? No, no, but how he wasn't socialized as a musician. Okay. And so he was able to leave. Yeah. He just left music, you mm -hmm. know, and I don't, I don't know anything about him that deeply. I mm -hmm. didn't know him or his family or anything. Yeah. But, you know, I watched a documentary about him and, and uh, that was um, one of the fascinating things about him. He was like, you know, I wasn't a musician growing up. I was, I think he was in the Air Force or something hmm. for a while. And then he, and then he became a musician, you know, and he became like a huge star. Right. And then he just left because he didn't like the business and he didn't like the, the critics and the record execs and whatnot. Yeah. And he thought it was a whole bunch of baloney. Right. And he was like, you know what? Like I had a life before this. Mm -hmm. This isn't what I, I don't need to do this to right. live. And I'm going to leave. Bye-bye. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Go back to being like Joe. Well, and he was genuine from the very start to the very end. Like, yeah. And that's one of the things I find so enjoyable about his music is it really does seem like a guy that you'd come across on a piece of driftwood in Belinus, you know, or, you know. Right. Like this, I don't know where part of the country he's from, but whatever the equivalent is out there. Yeah. Know, like. It doesn't, he's not putting on like a, you know, like affectation to his voice. It really is this honest, like, and like, you know, vulnerable, you can hear the vulnerability in his voice. He's not like the most, you know, classically trained. No, no, totally. You know? No, no. It's the, there's a certain like, there's like, yeah, he's got all these kind of complimentary and seemingly opposite characteristics in his voice and style yeah which which what makes i think com oftentimes like the most compelling stuff but you know it's kind of it's like raw at times but like also very gentle mm -hmm. and like it's just a crazy combo that makes i think that you know that made him a special and right why people gravitated towards him well especially at a time when you had all these like you know, superstar soul guys that could hit that, that higher register that were making all those hits, the Marvin Gaye's and the... Right, and this, yeah, like know, the kind of a little bit... Um, up in that... Slicker high. superstars. Right, that, yeah. and they could like hit those high notes that really just, 
there's something about the quality of being able to ride, you know, ride that that area, and you you have a Bill Withers who's got a really deep low voice. Right, it's not uh, super low though. Yeah, and he hits some high notes like yeah. with a big tone. Like yeah. it's kind of interesting. Like it's not necessary. Well, like uh, from when you really analyze it musically, it's not like he doesn't sing super low. He's kind of anyway. Anyway, you know, like, but he, yeah, he's not singing in his falsetto. Totally. You know, he's not like which was really popular in the, you know, in on the in this late 60s and early 70s you know the falsetto was just kind of like right now it was just like the right. thing you know and i like to use it mm-hmm. a lot yeah. as well and yeah to me it's like a challenge to to go you know to uh, to not use it but maybe I just don't sound that good not using it. But but actually, I'm trying to record. That's like one of the things I'm trying to do with this quarantine time is like record a little solo record. Yeah. And finish my little solo album where I'm not singing up there at all. Okay. Because I kind of want to explore that. Yeah. Tell me about that a little bit. Not what's, having to do that. What's the What's the the new project or what is, what what is this that you've been working on? Uh, I've just been wanting to do some things mm-hmm. uh some different things that might not necessarily fit with the honey drops or that might not necessarily vibe like with everybody in the band mm-hmm. you know yeah with the band it's like you want to take you want to push a little bit mm-hmm. always right you want to keep growing and you yep. want to learn more but you never want to push too hard you know you got to you got to work with what you what where people's hearts are and where people's talents are. And so these are all songs that like, like for one reason or another seem like just something I should just, you know, that I should make happen by myself first, at least for sure. Rather than kind of like drag everybody through my process, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so, so I'm doing a lot more, it's a lot more down tempo stuff. Okay. And I don't want, I didn't really want to be like in, in a situation where I was putting something out to the Honey Drops fans that I was going to feel like, oh, I hope they like it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I don't want to be thinking that when I'm making, making an album. Yeah. Like, I hope that they like this and maybe, oh, well then maybe we should give them a up tempo song, mm-hmm. you know, like screw yeah. the whole thing up. Like, I just wanted it to be like free of any expectations totally free it's more about that you know just kind of freeing yourself from anybody's expectations and anybody else's needs Mm -hmm. and any other responsibilities to me as a band leader or anything and just kind of explore some things and it's Mm -hmm. been that's been really fun another blessing secret blessing of the quarantine right yeah i remember you were telling me the other night like how through this process you've actually it's like helped you to appreciate like the honey drops music more as well because you can kind of compartmentalize and get your oh, fix yeah. your different fix in with yeah, the different yeah. types of music that you love like i know you have such a broad you know uh taste or appetite for these different traditions and styles and right music. yeah totally and i know a lot of artists who get it's almost like the art the auditory equivalent of being typecast in a role you've built up this audience of people that like really love this one thing that you do right and you do it very well and it moves people but you see so many bands that go through a phase where 
everybody's like, man, I just wish they'd like, you know, make songs like this one album, like when they oh, were yeah. doing it this way. And, yeah, right. And it's not, you know, as an artist, you got to keep growing. You got to keep, yeah, how yeah. are you going to know where the edge is if you don't keep pushing? Pushing it, it right, right. But it is cool to see, you know, I think for a lot of people who haven't done the internal work of understanding themselves as an artist, um, it's it's all too easy to equate the need for that other outlet with like it's just that the band's the problem oh right right no no you don't want to go there yeah and that's you know and yeah i mean you you luckily too the band is very diverse in the amount of things that we play as well right like we do play a lot of different types of music still and it's maybe it's more of like the pressure to kind of like keep the mood up all the time during the shows Mm -hmm. you know that's like probably the biggest i think is the thing that we all struggle with the most Mm. is kind of like and yeah yeah like like when are we going to get to play the slow songs right (laughs) because i love slow songs Uh, slow songs might be my favorite Uh and it in some ways musically it might be my my biggest forte Mm. just musically Mm -hmm. but that's only musically right so that doesn't mean everything, you know, when I say totally, that. Totally. And but it is like when I started playing music, that was where I first found my voice. Mm. It's playing like ballads on the trumpet. Okay. I would like perform these ballads and I was like, wow, I can do this is like I have like expressive power here. Mm. And that's how I really found my voice as a musician was through ballads. Okay. Ballads and blues. Yeah. And on the trumpet. And uh However, as a person, like, I found a lot, I learned a lot through playing up, like, more happy music. And as a listener also, like, I love, and as an audience member, I love to dance. It's, like, yeah. my favorite thing. And it's something I was always self-conscious about my whole life and didn't do hmm. growing up. Like, you know, in the awkward adolescent years yeah. till I was about like 20 something, I was really like a little bit shy about dancing, but it was like something that was in me. And this band has kind of helped me break out, break through all that and like helped me embrace the joy that music makes me feel and do it in a public way and let that out. So as a person, like the music, the the traditions that we draw on and just the party that we bring and the feelings that we bring and the creative process that we bring to the stage has been really good for me. Yeah. Has been like probably more important than anything I've done in my life in terms of helping me grow as a into like a happy <laughs> person. Because right. the ballad thing is something that I can do or, or is something that is, comes naturally to me and that I have a lot of skills for. Mm-hmm. And have like a predisposition for it, but that's not necessarily a thing that's going to make me a happy person. Right. In fact, it brings out like really weird, all my perfectionism, mm. all the things that like drag me down, all mm-hmm. the self-consciousness, all the things that kind of like I will overdose on and turn into like a mess if mm. I if I indulge that side of me too much. And, you know, and that's the reason I've gone, I went into the music that I went in because it was like therapy for me. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. As opposed to like becoming a, a jazz trumpet player that played ballads. Cause I'd be in like, I don't know where I'd be if I went down Tortured the road, soul. <laughs> but that would not be a good thing for me. You know, mm-hmm. I would not be happy. I would not be nice. I would not be, 
And, you know, like the perfectionism, like knows no bounds. Like the artist inside is like a dangerous person for me, you know, and like the band has helped me like soften those edges quite a bit. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's so something I'm very grateful for. And, and the members of the band that have helped me do that, you know, like being around Ben just as a person, mm-hmm. we're like the polar opposites. And he's really like, he's the re I like, he's single-handedly the reason and with, along with a couple other people that I've met in my life over mm-hmm. the last like 10, 15 years that have brought this other energy out in me. Yeah. And if people remember us back in the day, they'll probably remember <laughs> me just staring at the floor and Ben doing all the talking on the mic <laughs> and me just like staring at the floor and then playing, you right, know, and, right. uh, you know, and all that kind of thing. So anyhow, it is yeah. interesting watching how the two of you, uh, like, like Ben definitely has that like really developed and professional sounding like crowd voice that he uses <laughs> that like, you know, like he knows how to like conduct himself in this way that is like, uh, you know, where he seems like there's this confidence, there's this like clarity of like, he like knows exactly what he needs to say in the moment to keep the set going and to move right, things right. longer and to like move on from weird things right. I say. Yeah, like when know? I go a little too far and like my social awkwardness comes out. Yeah, and he's he... like, okay, moving <laughs> on. <laughs> or if you need to make like certain announcements, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Pass cru- crucial. He's very proficient at like passing along the, the crucial, crucial informa- information, information you know where the merchandise is yeah, yeah yeah he got really good at that when he uh when he had his baby right i remember when 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 <laughs> when ben had a kid now this is like 10 years ago now yeah. man those cds started flying off the shelf okay nice uh, you yeah. know sometimes the, the need yeah right brings out you know totally. <laughs> brings out our you know d- d- new qualities right, right. <laughs> that's awesome but no i mean he's definitely the type of dude that's like yeah he's has all those skills kind of naturally they're mm-hmm. like in him it's important all opposite skills of the ones that i had you know complementary strengths yeah complementary strength this is definitely the engine between those between us two is kind of like the engine of the whole thing hmm. yeah yeah the, uh, well i think that's a good uh segue into talking about what i'm sure a lot of people are very excited about and curious about which is this uh, this Honey Drops album that you guys have been working on. Oh, um, you know, I've caught a couple whiffs of my own here and there of it, but it's still largely a mystery. But uh, you guys got an album coming out, right? Uh, yes, we do. We have an EP and as well as a single. That's okay, not included on the EP. Interesting. Yeah, as yeah, uh huh. You want to talk about that a little bit? What's the album called? Oh crap! I don't even know what is it called. <laughs> it's called. It's the EP. I wonder what it's going to be called. It's going to come out in probably like a couple weeks. Okay. Um, but first, we're releasing in the air. Our oh, studio nice! Studio recording of in of a single in the air. Great. Yeah. When's that coming out? And that's coming out in a, probably about a week. Okay. Yeah, we have the art done and everything. That's going to be a little quarantine special for you. Hell yeah! Um, How is it being released? Um, digitally right now. Okay. It's just going to come out. And, Spotify. And yeah. And you can release, you can just listen to it for free on Spotify. Wow. Just, yeah. I, I think there's going to be some, uh, kind of 
voluntary donation based mm-hmm. thing. Sliding um, scale. No sliding one scale. Away yeah, but obviously <laughs> these days, you know, I mean, you can have it. <laughs> right. That's just how it works. Yeah. We're, yeah no, we're not going to give it to anybody. We're going to make them pay us <laughs> yeah, right. $20 a song. Oh, I'm sure for people For all would. the music they've <laughs> stolen. <laughs> right. No, obviously that's just not, that's not how it works. Not and reality. we would never do that. Right. So yeah, we're just releasing it. So first in the air mm-hmm. and then we're releasing, uh, an EP of five songs kind of in a in a really old school style mm. you know okay. really old school I like to say we have, we have two we play two types of music in the Honey Drops old school and really old school <laughs> <laughs> okay. so this one is kind of th- these are all songs that were kind of recorded on limited mics <coughs> kind of all in the room all together live vocals live everything uh, you know not in the like the pristine studio environment, but more the way things were recorded, like in the fifties, forties, okay. and fifties, where you just had a guy singing on the mic and all the instruments were in there in mm-hmm. the room with him. Where'd and you record you it? Just tried, and we we really tried to just get energetic, kind of takes of of real live music. Okay, but in like a studio setting and kind of in the old school kind of vintage vein that you hear on those old rhythm and blues and early rock and roll recordings mm-hmm. nice um was this a blues cave thing or did you we went to a different house that because the the house that i live in you can mm-hmm. record in there we've recorded many albums in there right but you have to in that room you have to close mic everything mm. so you kind of just get a studio sound okay it sounds like it's done in a Not studio a lot of bleed between tracks yeah exactly but in in uh, we and we did it at johnny's house Johnny's parents' house, actually. Okay. In Point Reyes. Oh, all And it has right. this nice, it was a nice room, and you could put a, a couple of mics in that room and get your whole sound that way. Mm. And it would actually sound good. If you put one mic up in the Blues Cave and I sang into it, you get kind of this weird, it doesn't sound that great. Mm. And this still sounds good, but raw, too. It mm. sounds good and raw. Nice. As opposed to like raw and just like hard on your ears you know <laughs> yeah we don't want to have that so so yeah and so these songs are all kind of in that vein and they're in that old school style and uh they're i'm it's funny we recorded them a really long time ago now yeah i feel, I feel I like know, i remember what's guys... taken us so long yeah. um but uh but you know sometimes that's the thing when you're on tour and you're doing stuff all the time there's not really time to to like think about all the things like the art and the this and the mm-hmm. that and all the things that need to get done. Right. And uh, we were initially thinking about putting in the air on it, and in the air was like a stu- more of a studio project that needed lots of overdubs. So we were kind of kept on delaying putting out the songs that were just kind of done. Mm. There was a bunch of songs that were just done because they were all recorded, you know, on the spot. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And then we were like. And then we were going to stick this other song with it. And then we realized this song doesn't fit with those other ones. This is like a studio song. This is like kind of an ear candy song. Mm. Like you put on the headphones and you listen to all the cool little things going on. Right. And these are songs that you just put on and you just dance to them. Mm-hmm. And it's just, you know, like yeah. kind of raw and immediate. Like you want to get up on your feet kind of thing. Right. So but- now when we finally realized that we decided to release them separately. Yeah. Did you go into the making of these songs um, with the thought that that it, that it would become an album, or like what was the process of? Yeah, of, we of were the... like, let's do them all in this way. 
I had become a little bit, I don't, I'm, I'm actually getting better at it now. And, and since I've quarantine time, I've been in my little studio all the time mm-hmm. working on stuff and fooling around with the technology and staring at the screens and whatnot. Right. <laughs> yeah, diamond. Which is stuff I don't, I never really loved and kind of been against, like we've discussed before. But anyway, so this was like, hey, let's do something where we don't do that. Mm. Where once we record the songs, they're done. Mm. So there yeah. hasn't been that much post production on any of this? No. Okay. No. I think it did take us a while to learn how to mix in this new way. Yeah. Because there are a few mics being used. Yeah. and And because it was a little bit of a new process for us, I think. We we remixed basically we did the songs and we were like these sound great and then like three months later we were like about to release them and they're like oh they sound a little harsh and then we re and so then we and then it was the winter or the fall and we were touring a lot you know and they were like let's redo the let's just remix them with like fresh pair of ears and then we redid them but all these this process just took a long time but there was no post there wasn't very much post production or overdubs. It was just like kind of we needed to adjust our ears to some new stuff. And it's almost and just like, learn. It was kind of a learning process for us, learning how to mix these kind of like live room recordings right. into something that you want to release, you know, like on a vinyl or on an album. Yeah. Yeah. Will you be releasing this album on vinyl, you think? Uh, yeah. Oh, definitely. Uh, the EP might wait for like four more songs before it gets put on a, a record. Right. Or who knows? But for now, it's just digital. There's no reason. Yeah. But you got that option. Yeah. Cool, man. Um, so we got, you know, maybe in the fall, we'll get to see some live stuff if we're all lucky. But in the short term, uh, we got some new Honey Drops music coming out. And a week from now, I'm excited to hear it. I know oh, it's... I've heard it in its various stages, but I don't think I've yet heard the, you know, factory finished you know, cubby approved version. Yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> so, um, the, our engineer is definitely, uh, Jacob is definitely very exacting. And so am I. Yeah. We're both like a little bit perfectionist, but that's good. Right. You want, you know, perfectionism is good. Totally. You just got to know when. <laughs> yeah. Well, and especially to have a, a, a person like you guys have, you know, it's one of the things that I think makes, it's such a unique thing about your guys' band is that you have this member who, you know, is not the guy in the, in the, in the spotlight on any given night, but you have this like dedicated artist whose job it is to tailor your sound. Totally. Which is what, I mean, what a invaluable resource that is. Oh, totally. You know? And it's good to have somebody with that disposition. He's, you know, there's just a lot of things that are great about him. Mm-hmm. You know, but like you said, he is an artist. Like yeah. Jacob is an artist through and through in right. many ways. He's a great singer and photographer and yeah. just kind of like he's got he's probably the most by disposition, most artistic of the honey dogs. Yeah. Right. You know? Yeah. And yeah, his I, voice, I've been blown away so many times where we'll be sitting in like a circle late night and all of a sudden I like get jolted out of my seat because I hear this beautiful new timbre come out where i'm like wait where'd that come from I'm like yeah, oh yeah, cubby jacob. oh jacob Man, yeah jacob's like, a great yeah it's just it's just a it is a great personality to match up all the all the guys that kind of like of us that just like 
need to go on stage and mm-hmm. perform. Right. He's like the guy that does not need to go on stage at all, I don't right. think. Right. But he can. He could. He could. He could, get <laughs> he could easily do it. He'd be, and he'd be awesome, you right. know. I know. But it's like, but it's just, it's like a dispositional thing, you know. Totally, totally. And, and uh, that's what I tell people a lot about in music business in general is that mm-hmm. like people who are out there touring, they're just the people that need to go out there and tour. Right. It's the people that cannot live without going out there and getting on stage. <laughs> yeah. The people that don't like it, like end up doing other things because it's yeah. really not necessarily nearly as glamorous as, as you would think you know and and now especially all of you you folk who were so used to getting that now you have this big oh yeah this big hole oh it's horrible to fill where you're you know what how long has it been since you've been on stage uh it's only been a shoot maybe i did like a little solo like a small band show in the beginning of march okay but we weren't really performing much really since january we had one show in february a couple yeah you guys were three shows in february i had this little solo thing in march Mm -hmm. and other than that there's been nothing i'm definitely i have the itch i'm losing my goddamn mind yeah yeah i mean like like to me this whole thing this whole quarantine thing has been like the ups and downs yeah the wild ups and downs mm-hmm. and kind of like oscillating between the two different sides of my personality. Like yeah. the perfectionist and the practicer and the kind of conscientious musician is really happy because that person gets to just work on the stuff and have lots of time to develop new skills mm-hmm. and super happy. And the performer is losing it. And the performer, which is the person that keeps that other person in check. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah is like completely losing their mind and you know and or or is getting really antsy yeah and like the artist left to his own devices is kind of like spinning out occasionally right you know and i think everybody's experiencing that though yeah i think a lot of people have like wild ups and downs in this time totally because sometimes you're like wow it's so peaceful Mm -hmm. there's no traffic (laughs) birds are singing yeah there's no pol- there's like no air pollution. Right. I can see, you know, across the bay uh-huh. and like, wow, it's so beautiful. So quiet and like our lives are so busy always. And mm-hmm. so and, and and you have moments where you're like, oh, wow, it's so nice. And then you have moments where you're like The birds are singing. The birds are singing. <laughs> <laughs> Why? <laughs> what does it mean yeah exactly yeah and I think just losing contact with people I think is very difficult and I think maybe destructive I think that's something that like that is a potentially destructive force of the Hmm. quarantine okay yeah yeah it's great that the birds are singing but like (laughs) what kind of person people are we becoming yeah you know in not touching one another right and not being able to be around one another and not giving each other hugs and being afraid of one another right in the mass othering the the mass othering of the potential vector (laughs) exactly like what's that doing to us that could be doing very bad things in a in a situation where we're already increasingly hiding behind technology yeah like i don't know if you noticed this but that's been one of, I think, the more troubling things I've noticed is just the, like, predatory hunger that all of these, like, digital providers have seemed to take in their advertising as they're like, we know you're at home. 
we know you're alone. <laughs> Use our product. You know, yeah, like yeah. it's like you see this kind of like digital gleam come in the eye of these like, yeah. you know, and on one hand, I'm like, thank you. I want a new show. Oh, yeah. This is like allowing me to escape for a little while. Yeah. But on the other hand, you're like, oh, yeah. Oh, like, no. Man, I mean, Facebook you know? <laughs> after kind of like not looking good the last couple of years is like, look, we're bringing you together. Yeah, oh, you need us. <laughs> We're, we've been watching this. Just see, and then like Zuckerberg gets to pretend that he's like the savior of the world right, now. Right. It's like, ah, that's so fast, buddy. Yeah. We know you're Smeagol. Right. Yeah. <laughs> he, he is a Smeagol for sure. That, I mean, I feel like it, we've been watching this like Michael Jordan documentary, which has been awesome, but there's those like weird like Facebook ads in between the commercials where you're like, are like, why are you advertising? Like, you are an advertising platform. Like, you're already selling all of our data. You're already, like, this mass marketing platform that everybody's, like, totally, like, snagged in in this weird, like, digital web. But, like, now you're also, like, what are you actually advertising for? Like, what is, what's yeah. the product? You're you're, adver- we're your product, so why are you advertising to yeah. us, you know? You're, like, you want us to make you like you. Yeah, you know? yeah like, it's like, there's like a weird, almost like, uh, codependent yeah, insecurity yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. Like, I'm using you, why won't you like me? Yeah, yeah it's weird times, man. And I, <laughs> <laughs> that's, no, that's, that's dark. Oh, but you know, I think that, uh, I think that, you know, just to, to bring it back to your earlier point, and and this is something we've also discussed, but just, I'm so excited for what this, uh, this era we're going to witness when, when it is safe to go back out or when we at least relax the fear, because I think. At its root, you know, nobody's gonna want to go out. Right. I don't think there's gonna be, but they're gonna open up some shit, and people yeah. are gonna be like, "I don't think I'm gonna go out." Right? I just, but you know what? Fine, <laughs> whatever. Don't go out. Like yeah. maybe don't go to big music festivals. Yeah. There, I think it's exciting to say like maybe smaller gatherings because right. I love smaller gatherings anyway. Of course, right. I can't make money. Yeah. Like nearly as much money mm-hmm. playing a house party as I can playing a big festival. Yeah. Right, and that does factor into, you know, livelihood issues totally. for musicians. And I'm very fortunate, like, cause, because I'm not, like, just a gigging musician right. and because I have a band. And so we're super fortunate and that I can say this, you know, as a reflection of, you know, like... Your, your many, musician privilege. My musician privilege is, you know. However, I've always loved playing... The, the smaller the better you know mm-hmm. i've always loved playing for small groups of people and that's something that's probably going to be happening all summer right because they're gonna we're gonna loosen up at some point and people are gonna start being like okay well maybe we're not gonna go to a ten thousand person twenty thousand fifty thousand hundred thousand person festival whatever those things suck anyway yeah no i didn't say that <laughs> those things are great i love huge <clears throat> music festivals i, know, I can't wait to play coachella to be, yeah. um but uh but you know what i'm saying like yeah um but like we're probably going to see us organizing really small things for ourselves that right. are real, that actually are really fun and totally. cool totally. and uh, getting together with smaller groups of people coming soon to a backyard near you. you yeah. Know? coming Exactly. And that, I'm looking forward to that. That could be really cool. As long as people aren't like too paranoid. I think, you know, I think the, even the paranoia is kind of a, it's, it's like a cultural mask that we can all choose to adopt. 
but I think beneath it all, there is this like intrinsic hunger that everybody has. Right, as humans. We're all like the kid who's in the classroom for the last hour. It's 2.30 on the last day of school before summertime. Uh We keep looking at that clock. The second hand seems to be going backwards. We don't that we're not even here in the last <laughs> chapter of the book. We're just thinking about jumping in the creek, and uh, that's kind of where I feel like society is poised. At least some of us, I know I am. Where yeah. like I just want, or you know, I'm at the public pool and I'm waiting for Adult Swim to end. I want to hear that whistle and the lifeguard. When you jump so off go, the diving board exactly. and do your triple backflip, my triple backflip. I just want to do a triple backflip. <laughs> You know, I can't wait. And uh, and so I think that whenever, you know, we do open these doors, you know, it's going to be the energy is going to be quite palpable, even if it's like just 80 people in the backyard, like the the level of. uh, Oh, man, it's going to be nuts. Yeah. Just the humanity. We're all we're all these like pack animals. We're these humans. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like, yeah, like, we, man, I haven't been hugged in so long. Like, I need a hug, you know? Like, what, yeah. it's how many of us can say that? Like, where it's like, you, you I just think that people are going to rediscover, you know, rediscover this these parts of them that have been dormant right. and that have been eating away in certain ways, manifesting as certain anxieties and neuroses. Yeah, yeah. Whether we're, you know, bickering with our significant others or we're, you know, sinking into our own like moroseness. Uh, there's going to be this like kind of summertime renaissance, you know, however that manifests. I think right. it's, I do like your idea of like these small gatherings and it would be really cool to see maybe some bigger artists out there who decide to like adopt that model. You know, maybe that's their way of doing it without being labeled as insensitive or or not taking well i mean they're not going to be allowed right you know what i mean there's just not they're not going to open it up to the bigger things but if you could go see an artist that like you know normally you'd only be able to see it like a an arena with terrible sound and acoustics (laughs) that could be really and like suddenly they're at a hundred person nightclub even or you know like there you you'd we might have an opportunity to have a degree of intimacy with performers and artists that we you know, before now is, you know, unapproachable or, you know. Yeah. Where the machine was making them only play, you know, right. Forcing them to only play arenas. Yeah. I know that'd be great. Yeah. That would be the, that'd be the best. You know, then you just need to be one of the lucky ones who gets the golden ticket, I guess. Yeah. Right. (laughs) (laughs) But maybe not, maybe there'll be enough, you know, enough fear out there to where it's only the expeditious, you know, courageous few. Well, only that... the anti-people with antibodies will even be allowed to go out. Right, It's going to yeah. be testing and you're going to have to have your antibody card. Yeah. Yeah, your public avatar that allows you yeah. entrance. You know. <laughs> the honey drops are definitely oh, be the first scary. band to, to Thinking about that. that. <laughs> See, uh, sorry, I had, to, I had to, you were getting all posy and I yeah, was just like... You had to bring me back down. I had to bring you back, my bad. Yeah, that's all See, good. Yeah, now, yeah. this is the part of me that nobody, no honey drops fan wants to see. <laughs> <laughs> that's the other side of there's something in the air you know that song almost takes on a whole new i didn't even think about that until now but that song almost takes on a whole new meaning in the i know it's, that song is a little bit i don't Climate. know if it's a good thing to release it right now it's a little too much of a downer yeah oh maybe that's you know maybe that's what but maybe mean. it'll be cathartic exactly 
Like I, I said, you're opening their hearts in a certain way. You're, you're bringing this vulnerability out with the music and then allowing people to feel good. You know, it could be a, a form of, you know, psychedelic therapy. Mm. You know, that indeed, people can close their eyes, put on their headphones, <laughs> lay in their bed, you know, you know, uh, maybe consume some, some products. Have a good cry. Yeah. Have a good cry. Have yeah. a good mushroom induced cry. There you go. You know, whatever medicine, however the medicine manifests for you, it, you know, this can be a nice auditory therapy session that allows you to make sense of all the the chaos yeah oh lord (laughs) oh lordy 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 well hey man i really appreciate you coming on and giving me your time i know you don't have much of it these days so oh no i'm so busy yeah just that you could fit me into your schedule uh this is only our third episode my little show you know um definitely having a such an austere sorry august you're not really that austere um, such an august individual such as you on my humble little podcast um, really means a lot. And to all you folks out there... Uh, I don't know what that means, but I'm going to look it up in the dictionary. Yeah, look it up. It's It, it, it means well. It, it's I mean well in it. Um, I just gave you a compliment. <laughs> cool. Thanks, bro. Uh, but yeah, all, to, to all you Honey Drops fans, uh, we got a, a new single in the next week. And then... Uh, and then be looking for that album uh, to be named. Oh yeah, have a, like a little dance party. Yeah, well, yeah. What's yeah. before we leave? First, what's we're gonna the make you cry to, uh... with the first single, and then you're gonna have a crazy dance party, and you're just gonna—it's gonna be awesome. What's the best way to listen to this new Honey Drops album? If the you new could give one any is, guidance is definitely you know like if you like to if you if you like to partake in substances. Mm-hmm. You know, like uh, the first one, it's like you said, psychedelic therapy. Maybe mm-hmm. take your small dose of uh, psychedelics mm-hmm. and just let it all wash over you, or, okay. or, or you know, you know, smoke your weed or whatever. Yeah. And then the other one is more like, you know, if you drink, have a drink. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Have a drink and like put on your dancing shoes, get dressed up for yourself at your house. Ooh, I like that. You know, and just boogie on down. Maybe a date night with the, yeah. if, you, if you're sheltered yeah. in place with your lover. You guys yeah, totally. Candlelight and dinner and then dancing. Out. Party! Yeah. Let it all hang out. Totally. I like that. I think, you know, that's that's something that I've had on my mind is like, I've seen that story a couple times where like people are like having these dates where they're like actually dressing up. You know, oh, they're, yeah. they're not going out, but there are. Oh, going you got to do that, you know? man. You got to like, you got to maintain, you know, right. otherwise it's just schlump city, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, you can't let that. That's that will, that will kill the romance real fast. Nice. Either that or being locked in with a bunch of children. Right. But, uh, you know, I don't know if there's a, <laughs> there might not be an easy fix for that one. Yeah. Well, children You'll can make dance it. to this album too. But right? children can dance for this album. Yeah. So, you know. Playtime. No, no, playtime. It's gonna family. be a it's gonna be a great one. Yeah. Well great. Well uh well thanks again, man, and I think that's a good place to leave it. And uh, <laughs> you know, new album coming out, whether you're whether you're uh whether you've been bickering with your old man or old lady or your you know, kids are driving you crazy, we got a there's an album here for you to uh to take a break from all that and uh, and just to move your fat and uh and let it all hang out, you know. Get above that thing. I think that's really, if there was a message of this all, 
minutes to get up off of that thing and to let it all hang out. <laughs> <laughs> all right, right on. Well, uh, I think you're again. inciting a riot. In, uh, I'm inciting a. Yeah, you know, I'm. I'm surprised if anyone's still wearing clothes these days. I, don't Dude, see I have not worn be. clothes in a long time. I don't think I've worn, worn underwear in like six months. Cut. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, why would you? Uh, great. So, uh, yeah, Mr. Anthony Leshwierzynski of the uh, California Honey Drops. Thanks again, buddy. Much love. And uh, I'm looking forward to that music. So thanks a lot, man. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, brother. Hobie. I love you, man. Love you, too. Have a good one. <laughs> All right. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. Um, yeah. Mr. Wierzynski, uh, pretty, pretty sweet getting a little insight into his thought process and creative process and, uh, hearing a bit about his philosophy. Um, you know, being myself, you know, a hippie weirdo that was raised in the North Bay and West Marin. Um, I know that, uh, that was kind of one of the first things that, uh, that we bonded over was just that we're both these kind of funky, weird, creative people. And, um, we certainly have a good time, uh, trading, you know, these little, our own little philosophical half baked, half cooked ideas, uh, back and forth. And, um, yeah, I mean, above everything, I think it's really important during this time where it's, it's very easy to, fall into uh the fear element of it and uh and really get caught up in the news stories um sorry there's a street cleaning truck going behind me which is there any bitter bigger like scam than the street cleaning street sweeping i swear like i'm watching this truck drive by it's doing like a little whipping and dipping back and forth you know street doesn't really look that much cleaner and like does it even need to be cleaned twice a month i kind of feel like once every three months would suffice you know every so often they get me and i forget to move my car and then there's like a 60 or 75 dollar ticket and it's like really like let's just let's just come out and say what this is it's just a cash grab these streets don't really need to be cleaned this often. And and they pick the weird dates. I think ours is like the second and fourth Monday and Tuesday, respectively, of which side of the street you need to park on. And everybody has to do that shuffle back and forth. You got to play like musical chairs with your car. If you're unlucky, there's no spots. You got to go park on another street. And I'm always just like, man, I'll get out there with the broom and clean my own street, you know, like if it really needs it, I don't really see it doing a whole lot. And, you know, you get hit with that ticket, man, that ruins your day. You're like, everything's going well. You Maybe you slept in and then you hear that sweet, sweet street sweeper go by, not sweet, um, and you run out and then you see that white piece of paper stuck under your windshield wiper and you're just like, oh, fuck, like, there goes my day. Now I'm all pissed because I can't afford the $60 ticket. And they better not be ticketing during this whole Corona thing. You know, that's a whole nother bag of worms to get into. But 
Um, where <laughs> that was a little tangent. Um, yeah, I just want to really uh, thank once again my friend Lesh for being so generous uh, with his time and coming on and giving us a chance to introduce his music. These guys work super hard year round um, on tour and. When they do get in the studio, um, you know, it's funny to talk to them because they're, you know, any one of them, they're so kind of nonchalant and cavalier about the art that they make, but it's like really good. And uh, I'm always blown away, you know, as I've gotten more familiar with, with the band, uh, it's easy to kind of, that, that familiarity can can sometimes make you not lose sight of of what the music is but it like changes the lens through which you you view it and i get like this powerful reminder every time i go to one of their shows that like oh yeah like you know i get to know them on a personal level but when you go and see them all like assume you know as lesh referred it like these godheads they step on stage and suddenly there's like this synergistic moment and you realize that uh, your friends are like these truly great artists that uh, that have this just enormous power to create a vibe and to make a lot of people feel really good. And one of my favorite things to do at the shows is to look at the crowd and look at like just how many smiling faces I see. And there's always a lot of them. Um, and that, that tends to really move me. And I think at this time in in our culture like you know whether you consider yourself a progressive or a conservative or a centrist or a thisist or a thatist you know i try to be a humanist um i think it's important just to remember that we are all people and that it often is much more complex than an either or than a you know than a this or like or or a that you know like it's it's too easy to make the person that disagrees with you on something the other. And I totally get the fear. I totally get the frustration and the anger if someone's going out and not wearing a mask and flouting the authority. Um, I totally get I get that, you know, and I've had a lot of conversations with with my parents who are in that vulnerable age about it. Um, but the other side of the coin is, you know, and Lesh was kind of speaking to this is like this, you know, for a lot of us, we're worried about the authoritarianism of, of, of this kind of an event. And, and I think, you know, nominally, we are in that in that camp of like, hey, let's trust the scientists, let's protect people, let's be cognizant and aware of how our actions affect those that are more vulnerable. Um, but I think that there is like room in between those two you know, the two uh, ends of the spectrum to, to understand that like everybody's scared right now and everybody's doing their best to process uh, some really novel emotions and to find what that balance looks like in their own life. And I know for me, um, you know, I'm, I'm lucky to be, you know, I'm 32. I'm lucky to be in that age range where maybe it's a little bit less of a risk for me. Um, and when I take that cost benefit analysis, like, man, I need to have some personal contact. You know, I don't know how this would have been for me if I didn't have my brother or, you know, or my buddy Lesh to hang out with. And we keep it, you know, pretty tight as far as 
we're not really going out and hanging out in large groups of people. We have our little set pod of people that we've like all agreed. We're going to kind of just keep it, you know, to the five or six of us. Um, we have roommates and everybody's kind of, um, staying to that group, but I will, I can't, you know, overstate the importance to me of having some personal contact during this time because I am one of those people that can fall into that pit if if I'm not, you know, we all, isolation is a really difficult thing, you know, for anybody. Um, so whatever side of the fence you may come down on, uh, you know, I would just, uh, the only thing I could could really say on it is just to remember that like the people that think different than you, they, they love and they fear too, and they're humans. And if we can all just remember that, that like this person that it's all too easy to make into a symbol of what you're resisting, that person has a grandma too. And that person has their own fears and their own desires and their own ambition and their own wisdom. You know, everybody makes their wisdom, how they, how they see fit. And it's a function of their experience. And you can't really know what the other person's been through or how their perspective has been shaped. You know, the old famous saying, you know, don't judge until, you know, you've walked a mile in their moccasins. And, um, you know, I think we could all do with a little more, you know, sharing of moccasins, if not germs at this point in our lives. So, uh, much love to you all. Thanks again uh, to all my listeners. And, you know, this is my third episode. I'm still relatively small potatoes out here, but uh, but I'm really loving this. It's been really great uh, getting to connect with these people and um, and just kind of experiment in this realm and see what, what sticks and what floats and what sinks. And uh, certainly... Um, I'm open to, to feedback if there's things that you loved or hated about it. And uh, yeah, just want to like throw a huge love shout out to all my people out there. Hope you guys are all hanging in and uh, and getting through it and, and just remembering your own humanity through this all. And um, I can't wait for this Honey Drops album to drop. I think we all need a little dose of that sweet, sweet honey uh, to get us through these times. So... Uh, be well, my friends. Uh, until the next, uh, this is Hobart signing off.